When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You bitches will never understand how good it is to be Australian and say the word no. Like, I'm chewing on those vowels. I'm having a meal. I'm eating. No. Let's go. No. 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 Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm Jay Eskeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, Tess Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. And of course, over yonder, the man making the magic happen. He's a super producer. We call him JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. No Trey Kirby today, or tomorrow. He is back in Chicago celebrating his dad's retirement, and we send our best to Steve Kirby. Where you go, Steve? Steve wore a hat, apparently, for the first time in like 40 years, <laughs> according to Trey. There was a photo of TK and his dad at the Bulls game over I saw the weekend. That. I saw that on the Instagram. And his dad was in a hat. <laughs> yeah. And Trey wrote to me, because I liked the photo on Instagram too. I said, great photo, great seats. He said, yeah, my dad was in a hat. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Didn't know he didn't wear hats. Yeah. Retirement Steve wears a hat. Steve's right. got a great set of hair. Yeah. He really does. Right? Yeah. So I can. why would you cover that up with a hat? I would never wear a hat if I had his hair. Yeah, it's good hair. <laughs> I've never seen him in a hat either. It's quite the quaff. But yeah, maybe that's, you're right. That's the start of retirement. That's yeah. what I said. I said, this guy's retired now. He's like, what's the point? Don't need to worry about this. <laughs> cover it up with a cap. Uh, anyway, shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Take a second, hit the like button, make sure you subscribe. We're getting closer to 100,000 subs. There was some talk in the stream team. Is it going to happen before the deadline, right after the deadline, All-Star Weekend. I mean, I'd love to see it happen in the next couple of weeks here. 100K, it's in sight, man. February, for sure. Yeah. February is hot. Let's do it. Let's do it, guys. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. And podcast listeners, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. You want to talk about the Bills at all? Nah. <laughs> that was tough. That's the one game I watch a year. <laughs> feel, feel, felt good. Felt like Josh was going to do it. Oh, my God. They were like gift-wrapped that game, and they still couldn't bit. beat them. Hit the hands a couple times. Oh, that bomb that Allen threw to Diggs? He should have caught yeah. I liked how one. Tony yeah. Romo brought up that one. He should have gone short instead of gone oh, deep. Yes. That was a nice call, Tony yes. Romo. You're right. It would have been a short field goal if that guy caught it But the, the Chiefs, middle. the Chiefs were about to go up 10. The guy, like, fumbles it away. Yeah. Through the end zone, so it's a touchback. I mean, I'm, again, it was like handed to the Bills. I'm surprised that didn't they get go wide right. I'm surprised that wasn't fumble at all. I thought. Ooh, it was close. Yeah, it was it looked very, like very, very close. Looked like that, that butt slash the the hand warmer yeah. that you wear around your uh, <laughs> your waist, I guess, was touching it was the ground. touching the ground exactly. Ooh, it looked like it. it. Bang bang. But anyway, field goal, wide right. <laughs> uh, slightly different Monday show here. We are going to do our. Uh, NBA weekend winners, and later we're gonna get out the buckets and weigh some uh, recent NBA trade rumor slop. Yes, the slop scale returns to your lives. Wow, trade rumors are hotter than ever in oh, the NBA. Oh God, man! Every month, it's changed. How do you think? How do you think we're gonna get to a hundred thousand subs? We're gonna be slopping it up for weeks. Uh, we get sloppy. But before all of that, we had a wedgie. 
And it happened on Friday night. It had been a while since we'd had one. It had been like eight or nine days. And it was uh, CJ McCollum sticking a wedgie in New Orleans from the sort of the wing there on the corner. Mm. A three-point wedgie. Uh, who's on the call there? It was Daniels, right? Um, Antonio gave, Daniels. Yeah, gave yeah. a great wedgie. He was very pumped. So number 27 on the season. Yeah, the pace has ticked down a little bit. That's a pretty good pace. Much. 54? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So McCollum a wedgie. McCall him a wedgie. <laughs> yeah, I thought he had had one this season, but he didn't, according to WedgieTracker.com. Uh, it was actually funny timing. I tweeted over the weekend. I'm like, oh, we haven't had a wedgie in a while. I think we're due for one. Mm. And then somebody wrote at me. was like, we had one on Friday night. You missed it, man. Mm. I mean, not missed it in the sense of showing you here on the show, but like it yeah. had slipped by me on the Twitters. I don't trust the X anymore. I, I, I'm things that I'm, I'm convinced people are like tweeting at us to just like disappear. I don't see them. That's right. weird. The algorithm. I don't know what it is. But anyway. Or I thought you were saying you're just giving me the stuff is false out there. No, stuff ain't no, real. Misinformation, disinformation. Wedgies. No. That happens out there. No, no. I just think it like somehow doesn't it doesn't it doesn't see my eyeballs. <laughs> my eyeballs don't see it. Things have changed. Yeah. Things but anyway, have changed but on that that's why you media. gotta be you gotta be uh hardcore with this. You gotta like tweet at us, you gotta Instagram mm. us, like and don't just say wedgie. <laughs> like it, like good, that's good. But like come on, add us, you know? Give us the time. Because yeah, we're not watching every single game. It's impossible. Somebody DM'd me. I can't. Okay, good. I'm blanking on the name. And they took a screenshot of the score, like the time and the score. It was perfect. That's what we're looking for. That's what that we That really need. helps everybody out. We're in this together is the point. This is yeah. a collective. But I mean, you remember in years past, every single year, it feels like we do miss one, maybe two. Because they happen really quickly. I know. And they happen in late in games. So people have to sell. That's why I think CJ McCollum, who is a, a podcast king, he likes to podcast. He likes to get out there. He should sell the wedgie as well. Oh right. I, you know we, yeah. we've we've done a good job. We've we've taken it from Ralph Lawler. We've made it popular. We've popularized it. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. People love it out there. Broadcasters, including, love it out there. You heard Antonio Daniels. People say it. I think pl- the next step is players. Players should talk about wedgies a little bit more. Why right. not? Yeah. And, oh, thought, and and then when they go back to the locker room, tweet at us. Exactly. I had a wedgie. Yeah. Hi. It's, it's me, the, CJ. I had a wedgie. It's the only thing we've done, really. Okay. My point is, like, uh, don't assume somebody else is going to alert us. I'd rather I get 100 you. people saying, wedgie, Pelicans game, from the corner, this is the time. Then have uh, you know you just think uh, the other guy someone else will do it. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but thank you to uh, everybody that did write in for that one. Okay, let's get to uh, weekend winners tasks. Uh, we're no negative Nancy here today. We're not doing losers. Yeah, there's a lot of winners from the NBA weekend. Why don't you get us started? Well, we have the two top Western Conference teams battle this weekend. OKC versus Mini in Mini, ready for a showdown, and it looked like Mini was great. They're up double digits in the fourth quarter. Everything working for them. And then Shea Gillis Alexander took over. He had a great fourth quarter. A shot over Rudy Gobert. That man is a giant, and he's great. And then another shot over Carl Anthony Towns. Another seven-footer. That's mm-hmm. tough. Then he had one on a fast break. A beautiful and one opportunity. And then to seal it, a minute left to step back on Jaden McDaniels to get a lot of space on Jaden McDaniels, who's an incredible defender. And he hits the three. Doesn't hit a lot of threes, nope. but when he wants to... He did there to seal it. That was his only three of the game. I love how he doesn't hit a lot of threes. But he had 11-point fourth quarter of his 33 points. And in this showdown, it was probably the Wolves' turnovers that did them in. That's the one thing 
that they kind of struggle with. They're one of the worst teams turning the ball over in the National Basketball Association. They're third worst, and all their guys had double digits in the starting lineup. Edwards had five. That's probably why the Thunder were able to outscore the uh, the Wolves 28-14 in the fourth quarter because mm-hmm. everything was good. OKC shot only 39.5%. They scored 20 points under their season average in this one. They got out-rebounded by 13. <laughs> Second chance points were 16-2 to two for Minnesota. And all of a sudden, this this 60-win projection we talked to you said yep. you mentioned on Friday right now it's like 58 or 59 it's gone down, Dips down uh, but anyways OKC has taken two games out of Minnesota two from three uh two of three from Minnesota this season and I love OKC OKC is just fun post game their interview they even have fun we have the the, the tape there of Shea Gilgis Alexander having his post game interview that's what he does but everybody was around him mm. I think we got this, JD. We got just. <laughs> we know that just, we're down. We're never out. We have guys that fight 20, 24-7, the whole forty-eight minutes, um, and, and we know we're, we're, we're exactly what yes, to do. Yes, it's just and funny. Everybody out. takes part. Sorry, JD. I didn't. I didn't tell you. I didn't think we were going sound up on that one. I thought we were just going to play it. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, just Sorry. just a little snub there by me. But they what we what we watched right there was Shea Gilgis Alexander doing post game interview, and everybody taking part. We remember the Miami Heat back in the day. Mm-hmm. Chris Bosh would jump in, Dwayne Wade would jump in, everybody would jump in. That's what it seems like the OKC Thunder are doing. But it's even different in that Shea gets on the mic, and then three people are behind him. It's it's a group interview. Yeah. Everybody group interviewing. This is the second second youngest team in the NBA, although OKC players have the fewest average number of seasons played, so they're kind of the youngest team. I don't know. This team just plays together, baby. What did you think of uh, Anthony Edwards after the game? A little critical of the officiating and how uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander is handled by these officials. He had one of those games where he goes to the line a lot. 12 of 13, and they shot a lot of free throws, and uh, Ant was not a fan. It's hard to do the calls that Shea gets. It's hard to shut him down. You can't touch him at any time of the game, so it's super hard to beat. Again, that was Ant. Yeah, no. And I think Anthony Edwards was just mad at f- turning the ball over five times in this game. Just didn't feel like himself out there. That was the bigger problem to me. I just gave you the breakdown of what Shea did in the fourth quarter. It was just hit shot after shot after right. shot. The last seven minutes, he was four of six, 11 points. That's what did it in and plus just coming back from double digits that's what OKC does it's an interesting stat here is that this is the 25th comeback from a double digit deficit since the start of last season that's what they do uh yeah. they, they come back against teams so I don't think it was the free throws at all their team that just plays together they hang together Chet Holmgren being that this game was in Minnesota had his high school jersey retired the team the franchise the organization came with him to that ceremony so they just love each other. Yeah. And look, moving forward, I don't like if Ant feels that way and obviously addresses it to the media about how SGA is called, it can only lead to, you would think, like a bit of a rivalry between these two teams, those two guys who are like two of the youngest superstars in the game mm-hmm. in Ant in SGA. So uh, moving forward, you know, I, I think SGA maybe did his whole thing where he had a comment on Instagram that was sort of 
commenting back to Anthony Edwards, but in a cryptic way, oh, as wow. he does, you know, in his bars, in his captions. So look, moving forward, wow. it's great. It's great stuff. It was an entertaining game. It's pretty amazing that OKC won it with yeah. all those stats that you went yeah, through. But stunk. Yeah, I mean, he had to take care of the ball. Yeah, Minnesota was just great defensively. I'm so glad I missed that on social media. <laughs> I, I missed the back and you forth. You missed that? Yeah. Who, who cares? Uh, really, it is unfortunate that Ant would say that. I mean, they lost the game. And those stats just show that they should have won the game. The problem is they turn it over a ton. It's surprising that Mike Conley had a bad turnover game because he is awesome. He's so good at being their point guard. It's Anthony Edwards. It's Jaden. It's Cat. It's Rudy Gobert. It is quite often that they're so huge that they don't have to. At times, they just take up two-point land, and they turn it over instead of of moving it around the three-point line. All right, my big uh, NBA weekend winner, it's going to the Murrays. I'm going to include my grandpa, Murray Kane, <laughs> in the mix here. Shout out to grandpa, who sometimes occasionally watches Does the show. Does he wear a hat? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's out on the farm. Of course, you're going to wear a hat. Okay. Probably got a toucan right now. It's so cold at the farm. Uh, but yes, the Murrays had a weekend. DeJounte Murray, let's start with him. He made a go-ahead three-pointer with two seconds left. His second consecutive game with a winner on the final shot. As the Hawks spoiled Udonis Haslam's jersey retirement night by beating the Heat 109-108. If you remember, on Wednesday night, DeJounte hit like a 17-foot jumper. Tough shot. Contested shot Mm -hmm. against the Magic at the buzzer. This one, there was a little time left on the clock, but a huge three. Also not an easy shot. No. To uh, give them the win. And the Hawks picking up two Huge wins against teams that are trying to chase down in the Eastern Conference standings. And all of this is going on when DeJounte Murray is like possibly the, you know, big prize acquisition here at the deadline. His name's been in every trade rumor imaginable. He's been traded to like 10 different teams at this point. But 26 points in the win against the Magic, and then he had the 22-11 and 11 in the uh, win over the Heat. And this was uh, uh, with, without Trey Young in that game, yep. who sat because of an illness, returned against the Cavs, and then left the game after taking a charge because his head got clocked and he is now in the league's uh, concussion protocol. So possibly no Trey Young here for a little bit moving forward. But DeJounte gets a win of the weekend. Who's the other Murray? My grandpa, DeJounte, and Jamal Murray, of course. So we have two Canadian Murrays uh, of the bunch here. Uh, Jamal Murray scored 35 points to help hand the Celtics their first home loss of the season. Uh, that was a really fun game as well. Tatum had a chance uh, at the end, but sort of settled for a Tatum-like fadeaway. Came up short. But Murray, man, in the fourth quarter, he hit five of his six first shots in that final frame. And just like when this guy gets going, this guy loves the bright lights. I mean, this guy's built for playoff basketball, these big games between obviously two of the best teams in the league and the Nuggets and Celtics, like a potential finals, uh, obviously, rematch. Um he just loves it. He, he he literally raises his game, I feel like, absolutely for these big moments and these big matchups. So he was just awesome. Tatum got some. Brown got some. Peyton Pritchard, too small, when he backed him up and hit the fadeaway. So he was cooking earlier in the fourth. And then Jokic, obviously. I know we're going to get to him. He had a great weekend as well. But Murray finished 15-22, eight boards, five assists, just one turnover. In the win and handing the Celtics their first home loss in a very entertaining game. Way to go, Murray. Uh, uh, Jamal Murray just thinks the regular season is too regular, I think. Uh, he just he steps up for the postseason. There's, there's no doubt. You look at the the numbers. Regular season to postseason, drastically different. So he definitely steps up for this big game. Then I get stepped up for that big game. Yes, they, they, they wanted, they wanted it. it. Really, really badly. 
And I guess we're not going to see Jamal Murray in the All-Star game, which is strange. Hopefully it happens that he reaches his first All-Star game just because he's on a good team. They won the championship, yeah. so it may be an he effect. He might get selected. He, he, he could. Because he obviously Jokic gets there. No question. Um, but who's the second guy on the Nuggets? If they if there is a second guy. It's, just, it's tough in the West. It's, it's really guards. tough. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully, as far as the Hawks go, hopefully Trey Young is better. I think he's sitting out tonight yeah. with the concussion problems against the Sacramento Kings. But DeJounte Murray's got to hit another one. Uh, wow. Hit another game later. He's he's hit two in three games. They, they did end up losing uh, to, the uh, to the Cavs, running them over. Uh, but – the Heat just gave him lots of space because he was well beyond the three-point line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Heat are great defensively, but they saw him well beyond the three-point line. And so they gave him some space. It's it's listed as a 27-footer, but it felt even deeper. So it felt like a, a tougher shot uh, than his first game winner. This guy just... He's doing it. It's, yeah. it's, it's an interesting time for him. We talk about him a lot because it is slop season, it's trade season, <laughs> and he is in those trade rumors, but... Hopefully the Hawks, they may be fooling me, uh, but the last few years they obviously have picked it up after a slow starts. Maybe that's happening. Uh, who knows? Uh, all right, let's go from the Murrays to uh, another round here of winners. Who else you got? Yeah, Nikola Jokic. Uh, he had an incredible game versus the Celtics, but it was a very tough week for him uh, because he is so connected to the Warriors' assistant coach who passed away, Deki who passed away, mm-hmm. uh, was a, a huge mentor to Nikola Jokic. So he basically stopped talking to the media for a while. He, he was just, he was in it tough. He just didn't want to talk to him, uh, to anybody, you know, like the Warriors who obviously took off a couple games uh, because of what happened to Deki. Deki was a mentor. He was a coach to Jokic and Jokic f- finally broke out and had a great game against Boston and it looked like he was playing for Deki. He had 34, 12 and nine assists 14 of 22, what a game. And after the game, Nuggets head coach Michael Malone said, Jokic was out there to play for Deki. He, he was playing for his legacy uh, because he was playing perfectly. Uh, and he finally was able to talk to the media this weekend a little bit, but he just loved Deki. And, and I'm sure you know, the, the coach that he had when he was in Europe, before he came here, uh, was it was such a big effect for him. Oh, yeah. So, um, listen, he, he had an, Jokic himself has an effect on everybody in that game, which felt felt finals ish, finals ish, I should say, a little bit, you know, because Porzingis after the game yeah. talked about Jokic and he said he's the best player in the world and he's just so crafty, just kind of almost makes you fall asleep, like he's not doing anything, and then he just slides by you. That's that's funny and it's true. You know, he's just kind of standing there. He's not running fast. <laughs> he's not running by you, but he's just so crafty he can do everything. And the Nuggets were trying to beat the Boston Celtics. Michael Malone, who I just mentioned there, he only went seven and a half players deep. Yeah, he's trying to win this game. He knows this could be a finals, so he was just trying to figure out uh, what it takes to beat the Boston Celtics. So they had Reggie Jackson. And obviously Peyton Watson come off the bench, but then Christian Brown played five minutes. I mean, you really literally went seven and a half deep in a January game. That's it's a little surprising, but the Nuggets they are a championship team, and it is difficult to repeat. So we do see some bad games. We see some sluggish games yeah. from the Denver Nuggets, and obviously they got ready for this one. And and Porzingis said after the game, you know, I love it, even though we lost, because it was a great game for us. Because there are many things I think that we're going to look at and we can study those things because this is this is a real team. This is, you know, last year's champs, and that's what we want to be. I think from our side, their side, fans, everybody just kind of knew it was a big matchup. There's definitely things to take away from this one in this game. And great game for, for Jokic just, just to, to uh, 
yeah, to to have a, a mentally a great game and his family with him when they went and played Washington and he scored 42 <laughs> in his second game of this weekend. Yeah. So taking care of Boston, taking care of Jokic, and then a very cute moment with uh, his daughter post after the Washington as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, but you're right. These guys that knew Decky, like playing with a heavy heart for sure. I mean, the Warriors, they haven't even played since this unfortunate incident, right? It's been it's been a decent amount of time here. They don't play tonight either. Um, not because it's postponed, they're just not on the schedule. But, uh, you know, <laughs> look, I'm just as guilty of it. Like, you do forget, like... These are just humans, mm-hmm. and like you know, we're asking them, "Hey, just go out there, man! Just go play basketball." Right. And and some of them can handle it, and some of them can't, and that's you know, everybody handles it differently. Um, I'm sure sometimes it's got to be almost refreshing to like when you're out there in in the in a game, like you're not maybe thinking about it as much, mm-hmm. um, and so you can sort of leave it uh, to the side for a bit, or maybe not. Again, everybody handles it differently. But what a monster weekend! And uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds funny, but it's almost like the big win against the Celtics, huge, and they went for it, and they probably look like they still need a guy on the on that bench to uh, maybe repeat. They do seem a guy short to me uh, a little bit this season, but to then turn around. And you got the old like trap game versus the Wizards, like uh, following the Celtics mm-hmm. game, and they still get it done, led by Jokic, who was the monster, like you said, mm-hmm. forty-two. But like those are ones that a lot of teams lose because it's like, oh, we had the huge game, uh, now we're really, like, okay, now we'll just we'll coast for a couple quarters here, and then we'll try and turn it on. Sometimes that bites you in the ass, but they took care of business in the end. Lucky it was the Wizards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to uh, OG Ananobi and the Knicks fans. As winner of the weekends, let's start with the the Knicks fans who really showed some love, went out of their way. I think it's fair to say to celebrate the returns of Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett, who each played at Madison Square Garden on Saturday night for the first time following the big trade with the Raps. They got standing ovations during introductions, and then got standing ovations during the tribute video, which was uh, shown during the first media timeout. That was pretty cool. Like. Like these are this is quickly and Barrett guys that have been there. Don't get me wrong, had some say in a, some some success for the Knicks over recent years. But like these aren't legendary players, right? Like their their jerseys are not going up in the rafters. Yeah. And for them to still get that response, I thought was a pretty cool uh, showing there from Knicks fans. Who like a lot of people are like, oh, they won't. It's like you know you see the odd Knicks fans on Twitter like they're they're the enemy. Don't cheer them anymore. And people are like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. No, you show love to these guys that helped sort of build us up here and, if anything, helped us get OG and Anobi in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought it was cool that, that the love that the Knicks fans showed to them. Yeah, and the comments from both of those players after the game basically were like, I love this place. RJ Barrett <laughs> said he did, he wasn't even sure if they were going to get a tribute video. Yeah. He was like, I don't know. Will we get one? <laughs> and then, of course, they did. So, yeah. But uh, all, all the players in, in all these trages, trades between the Raptors and Knicks and the Raptors and Pacers, you know, Siakam talking about it and, and Barrett just showing love to their previous team, they basically were like, you know, I don't know. I didn't even know if I was ever going to leave. I love Madison Square Garden. I love being with the New York Knicks. It's such a special place for me. So, yeah, there's everybody's really nice these days. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was loving. It was. But OG – is the real winner of the weekend, uh, and the Knicks, of course, the perfect fit. Like, honestly, they're 9-2 and two since the deal. The Knicks have a 103.5 defensive rating since they got OG in the, in the starting lineup. That's the best mark in the league over that stretch. They've held opponents to just 98.7 points per 100 possessions when Ananobi is on the floor. And he's on the floor a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> because he plays for Tibbs and he plays defense yep. and uh, he loves that. So you're going to be out there. He's playing, you know, nearly 37 minutes per night here. 
The Knicks have outscored their opponents by 190 points in OG's 404 minutes. I, th- I thought that was maybe a typo at first. I was like, that mm-hmm. can't be right. But we mm-hmm. have fact-checked that, and that is incredible. Tibbs has said Ananobi is a defense unto himself. And one thing in watching them hammer the Raptors as that game went on and how they've played with OG, you, when the trade went down, you you kept bringing up a couple times, you were like, oh, I wonder how OG will feel about his role with the Knicks mm-hmm. because you know that was sort of the one thing that kept coming up when he was with the Raptors. He was sort of buried in the pecking order of offensive responsibility, and you wondered, well, that might be the same yeah. uh, in New York. Eric Kareen, great point in an article over the weekend. He does not have a bigger role that he occasionally pushed for in Toronto. His usage rate, OGs, in New York is lower than it has been since his third year in the league. But, as Eric wrote, it's easier to accept a role like that when you're on a team that is winning and a nice payday is coming your way. Mm. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So, yeah, usage rate, how he's being used offensively, it's very similar. Hang in the corners, my man. Exactly. Stand in the corner, fire away, and that's it, man. Uh, You're out here for defense. Um, But I think you're right. Like, look, he's in New York. He's getting more attention. There's that. He's going to get a huge payday. And they're winning a bunch of games, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that fixes everything. Yeah, he's all grown up. It sure seems like he's not talking about having the ball in his hands more, needing it in his hands more. He's just going to get paid per minute, hopefully for him, because he's <laughs> playing so many freaking yeah. minutes. This is his job now. And I guess he's grown as a man. He's just grown as a person, not having to talk it as much. But this is basically his career high in minutes so far with the Knicks would be his career high. He's had three games of playing over 42 minutes yeah, and uh, he's already leading the Knicks in minutes play per game. That's astonishing to me. The fact that the guy just got there and he's already leading the game and the fact that they're outscoring guys or outscoring other teams to that effect with Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson missing a couple games who is their guy mm-hmm. offensively. That's clear. Him and Randall are the guys, uh, but, this is cool for, for OG to step in. That was a terrible game against the Raptors from the Raptors side. Yeah. Um, that started okay, and then it yeah, yeah got out of control. And it's it's a feel, right? The Knicks feel good about Randall and Brunson being their lead offensive guys. They won a playoff round last year, and they're just they're building around that. With Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett, they're also trying to do that. Quickly and Barrett, you're along with Barnes. You are our lead offensive guys. I'm speaking specifically about Quickly because Quickly is is more so the future that they're looking at than RJ Barrett. He had 11 assists in this game, but he didn't he didn't score like he could, mm. and that just stopped. He just he just wasn't shooting a lot. So they're this is going to be a bad year for the Raps. Yep. So all that to say, they're testing things out. We'll get to if they want to trade some guys around those top guys in a, v- a mere few minutes, but they could, yep. and there's a reason for that. But, yeah, they got destroyed. They're too tiny. They're out-rebounded by 30 in this game. Missing <laughs> they, for sure. They need a center. That's for sure. But, anyways, it was fun. It was fun to watch, and it was fun to see the tributes, and everybody enjoy those tributes. All right. There's only two of us. Let's do one more uh, round of winners. Who else you got? I'm going with the Indiana Pacers. What? what? They, they lost both their games this weekend. What? Why should they be winners? Well, Tyrese Halliburton came back in that first game. True. Everybody was expecting his hamstring to hold him back even longer than this, but he did come back, and that was his first game with Pascal Siakam because that was Siakam's first game with the Pacers. And, oh boy, that offensive lineup with him, uh, the, the two of them, I should say, Halley, Siakam, 
Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, and Miles Turner. That starting five was phenomenal in that game. And Siakam and and Halliburton specifically were awesome. They played 26 minutes together. They were plus 27. They're <laughs> phenomenal in that game. And Siakam looked good. And they were just playing so well together. And that new starting five that I just mentioned was plus 22 in the, in the in minutes that they played. That's They had a ridiculously offensive game phenomenal stuff it was their bench that was terrible and that's why they lost to the Blazers on the road as they continued this six game road trip it is interesting we're talking about players who could be traded when I say the backcourt is now Halley and Buddy Heald and then Neesmith Siakam and Turner I I wonder if Heald should go to the bench just for Andrew Nebhard to be in there a little bit to have a little bit of defense in that backcourt that ain't happening right now but anyways they lose that game but their starters look great and this is obviously they're trying to figure things out. And then in the next game, Halliburton does sit out mm-hmm. uh, because they don't want to play him every game against the Suns. But it went down to the wire and Siakam making a big block, block attempt on Bradley late. And it looked like they were they were good. Their bench actually played good in this one. It was a flip of the script. Obi Toppin now on the bench. And Jairus Walker, the guy that they picked number eight in this, this recent draft, the last draft, and for some reason hasn't been playing a lot as a big forward He's starting to play more, so these Pacers are trying to figure things out and feeling it out. He was 10 and 9, and he's shooting 40% from three on the season. The guy can shoot it as a big. So it was a tough end to the six-game road trip. Sure, that's fine. They went 2 and 4. They almost went 3 and 3, which would have been reasonable for any team in the NBA. Um, But it's a great sign. I I mentioned all these guys' names. Obi Toppin coming off the bench. Andrew Nemhart could be a starter. Jairus Walker. They're not paying anybody. I mean, they're not. They have a very, very low uh, payroll overall, and they've got great decisions to make. So yes, all in all, zero and two, not so good. But the <laughs> fact, the fact that they were plus twenty two in those minutes with their starting five and a great offensive rating, one forty eight point eight, with those five guys, they know that they can beat anybody. And Siakam was just a, is a great fit already. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just started him on the road, and he was a great fit. Yeah, if we were doing losers of the weekend, Benedict Matherin may have gotten an yep. honorable mention. He was one of 16, I believe, in those two games over the weekend, in the two losses. But I see what you're saying with how Siakam looked, especially with Halliburton in that first game. No Tyrese in the second one. Yes, two losses, tough road trip, but uh, you can see why they made a move like that. The idea of giving him a big contract, Siakam, in the offseason, and then roll, moving forward with those two as your stars and then all these young talent around them right now. And... Uh, whether or not they move off of a Buddy Heald at the trade deadline, maybe one of their young prospects, probably unlikely. Uh, they didn't have to include one in the Siakam deal, so I don't see why they would want to do it for someone else. Yeah, But they have a lot of talent. You're right. They do. They know the four guys that they're starting right now, Halliburton, Siakam, Turner, Aaron Neesmith, because he's so good defensively. Yeah. So they're still trying to figure out the fifth spot. I think it's going to change. But they have depth, and so they might clear out some guys as well. Um but it's a good problem. They, Yeah, they were 0-2, but the fact of where they are right now is a surprise. They've overachieved this season, and their second half um, schedule is far easier than their first mm. half. Uh, it, it's going to be way, way lighter. But Halliburton was fine in Siakam. And now Siakam, even though... You know, he, he. You look at him and you say, "Is he? Is he? Is he an All NBA player? What, what was this guy as the uh, uh, as a Toronto Raptor? He's clearly now a second guy mm-hmm. easily with Halliburton. So he he's in a more appropriate 
role. Yeah. There's no doubt. You saw that. it from game to game. Even he played better in the one with Halliburton than he yep. did uh, in the one without him against the Suns. Yeah. Uh, some other honorable mentions for winners of the weekend: the Suns. They picked up two wins. Booker went for 52 on Friday night against the Pelicans. KD was a monster on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beal played really well. So they're getting it going here. You know, don't get too excited because someone inevitably gets hurt. But the Suns uh, starting to look like the team we thought they might be with the uh, the three guys as their offensive juggernaut there. Clippers ended uh, their game on Sunday afternoon with a 22-0 run <laughs> to beat the Nets. Came back out of nowhere. So they get a little honorable mention. And Franz Wagner returned to the Magic this weekend, too. He had missed like eight games, which mm-hmm. surprised me. But he had 19 points, five assists in that win over Miami uh, in, the, in the game over the weekend. So Franz coming back, that's good. But I want to give it to Wemby versus Washi. Wembenyama versus Washington, mm-hmm. winner of the weekend, the rookie sensation. He helped the Spurs overcome a 12-point deficit in the final five minutes to get the win in regulation, 131-127. He had three buckets during that 12-0 run, Wemby did. He scored easily over Avdia in the post. Little left-hand hook. Love to see it. Physicality. You know, he's, he's, he's obviously slight as a 7-4 or 7-5, whatever he is, guy. But he worked hard for it to get the... Uh, Position there on Avdia, they hit him in the middle, and then he's like, it's so easy. It's like it's like you like scoring over like your small nephew or something. It's like the height difference is hilarious. Then he hit a very tough driving floater to cut the lead to five. That registered a, a Wizards timeout because suddenly the Spurs were back in this game. And then later, Wembenyama splashed a, a tying three-pointer with about two minutes and change to go. Nice little pick-and-pop action on the side. They left him. He knocked it home. You know, he struggled with his three-point shot this year, but hit that one. 18 points in the second half, finished with 24, 8, 6 blocks and 4 assists. That was the other thing. In the fourth quarter, the Wizards were like 0 for 6 on layups and dunks when Wembenyama was around them, terrified that he was going to block them. Uh, so good stuff there from him. As they got a much-needed win. They don't have a lot of wins this year. I know it's against the Wizards, but they picked it up. And he was the re- big reason why down the stretch. He doesn't like his minutes restriction. What I loved about him this weekend, he did a little interview and he said, I, I, I hope it's done. I'm kind of tired of how he's restricted by his minutes and has to sit games occasionally yeah. because Greg Popovich is told, you have to sit that guy. The doctors say so. Because he kept like buggering his ankle up there. Uh, he did, yeah. A couple times. He did. But that's the reason. You're right. Yeah, and uh, even even before that, they're just they're just kind of worried. Uh, they're They're just... They're conscious of it, and I get yeah. that. Uh, but he's so done with it. Uh, he said, quote, shouldn't be an issue no more. And so hopefully it's not. He's got Embiid tonight. He's got, he's got business to take care of tonight in a national game. So, you know, he is rested for this one. Didn't have to play on Sunday. So I imagine he will be playing against Joel Embiid, which should be great. <laughs> That's uh, two different body shapes right there. Yes, I mean, absolutely. both big guys, tall guys, but one has a lot of weight on the other. So that'd be fun to watch. All right, so there are some winners. I'm sure we left a whole lot out there. You tell us in the stream team. Tweet at us, at NoDunksInc. Let us know in the YouTube comments. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, oh, the piggies are out. Slop scale time. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, still here in the Classic Factory. JD, I need you to open up the barn doors. It's time to slop it up. Yeehaw! Let's feed the piggies. The slop scale back in our lives. We are once again going to weigh in on the latest NBA trade rumors using the slop scale, which is buckets. The heavier and juicier and sloppier the NBA trade rumor, the more buckets of slop Tass Mellis might assign to it. <laughs> you can go from one bucket of slop to five buckets of slop. That's maximum slop. All right. Uh, I pulled a couple rumors from the interwebs this weekend. First one caught me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Action Network's Matt Moore. He slopped it up hard this weekend, actually. He was writing uh, what league sources or known reporting has suggested as far as teams' intentions at the trade deadline. He did, like, almost every team. He had slop on every team. But the one that caught everybody's eye, Matt Moore saying that the Pelicans are thought to be open to moving Herb Jones. Quote, Matt Moore here, they're high on Jones, but it'll be difficult for the team to pay their stars, Jones and Trey Murphy III. End quote. So, Tass. How many buckets of slop are you giving to this Herb Jones possibly moving at the trade deadline? I'll give it five buckets because we just want the hits. Just like Matt Moore doing a report on every single... No, it's one. It's one bucket. But I understand what Matt Moore is doing. What? He's talking trades. That's what people need to do to get the hits. So he's talking shit. Well, in this one... in this, in this Well, yeah. Pigs eat shit, I guess. Uh, but but in, but in, because I hope you're not watching the video, the intro of our our pig slop because that's gross stuff. Um, anyway, in this instance, the Herb Jones thing, they signed him to a five year deal before this this season. So why the heck would they want to trade him? I, I get that him and Trey Murphy may have some, you know, they're kind of similar players. Um, but Trey Murphy is a fantastic three point shooter. Anyway, I just think that the Pelicans in general have gone it for for it in years past. Like they've really, really got it. They put a lot into a trading for CJ McCollum. They put a max for Zion Williamson when they're not sure exactly how great he's going to be. I just don't get why you would trade Herbert Jones. They just don't know if it's all coming together for sure. So you got a guy that you signed for five years at basically. 12 to 14 per I was year. I say, he's a discount he deal. He's extremely cheap. So 
I think they're going to keep the cheap deals that they have. And this is one of them. I, I get that Trey Murphy and him, yeah, maybe, maybe they overlap. Maybe why pay one a lot more money and not keep the other? But it doesn't really make sense. At, at this point, you just you have to make some smart moves. And keeping him here makes sense. Yes, this is absolutely one bucket. That's the minimum we can go. It should be zero if we're being honest. I, I, I Look, I like Matt Morey. He's got a lot of hot takes. I'm not sure about this one, though. You said it. Herb makes $13 million a year for three more years after this year. Like, that is nothing in this league. It's four years, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm counting this uh, one. Is it? I, I thought it was, I thought it was an additional four. Oh, I could think be he signed, wrong. Okay. He signed a five-year deal. Oh, no, you're right. It's three. My bad. Okay. My bad, my bad. So three more years after this one. Yeah. At that deal, like you said, whatever, ballpark $13 million, which is, again, nothing in this league. Uh, the Pels are under the luxury tax because of that little slick bookkeeping they did with uh, Lewis and the whole uh, Pacers-Raptors trade. Yeah. Their only, only real meaningful free agent, I believe, this offseason will be Jonas Valanciunas. So decisions to be made there. But you, you, I don't get why... Look, I get why other teams might be going, ooh, you've got Trey Murphy III. Ooh, you've got Hawkins. You've got Herb Jones. You don't need all them, Pelicans. Could we get one of those guys yeah. that we really like? But that doesn't mean the Pelicans should be actively shopping him unless they are going big game hunting, which then maybe a guy like him's involved in a deal. But, yeah, one bucket of slop tops. They've already done enough big game hunting, in my opinion. They're over $100 million yeah. next year in just three guys, in McCollum, Ingram, and Zion. And you don't know if you're going to be an incredible team. Although, on paper, everything looks good. And then you have great support for those three stars with Alvarado and everybody. However, you just don't know. And so it would make sense for a team that doesn't want to pay the luxury tax. David Griffin has gone for it over and over. But they made a great signing here. And uh, I get it. I, I get it, but no. Just to add to this, too, it's one thing if the Pelicans are... 18 and 25 right now and really struggling and it's not working. They're the flip of that. They're 25 and 18. This is the best they've played over the last mm. couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I know they had a bit of a soft schedule there, but they are like fifth in the Western Conference right now. This isn't like this isn't like what's going on with the Hawks in the East, is my point. Where it's like, okay, this is we should be way better than this. And then you start to panic and go, okay, now we gotta move this, get this guy in. Like it's not that bad. So this like is even more befuddling to me. Mm. that Herb Jones' name would be up in any sort of trade rumor. I get it. I, I think it actually makes a little more sense that they're a winning team and they're just, they just want to go for it, according oh. to these rumors. But it doesn't really make sense to me overall. No. Yeah. Okay, one bucket there. We agree on that one. All right, next one. Uh, this one's from Mark Stein. Mark Stein re- uh, reported recently that the Blazers are considered likely to trade Malcolm Brogdon in the coming weeks. If they do, the Knicks are expected to be interested. New York is looking to replace... Some of the bench production they lost when uh, quickly went out there to the Raps. Brogdon has two seasons left on his contract, both fully guaranteed, $22.5 million. New York has also reportedly registered interest in Utah's Jordan Clarkson. So, yes, the, the question here, Tass, is how many buckets does uh, the Knicks' interest in Brogdon slash Clarkson, let's call it, uh, get from you? What shall I register with these buckets? Yeah, I'm going with a light two. Uh, out of five buckets here because this is a Tibbs team that plays guys heavy. And specifically about the guys here, Malcolm Brogdon or Jordan Clarkson, Malcolm Brogdon I don't think makes a heck of a lot of sense. I love the guy, obviously. He's phenomenal. But Boston got off of him this past season because he's constantly injured, unfortunately. And so 
would you want the Knicks to go say, hey, come on over. You're getting paid $22 million next year. So you're taking out a, a good chunk of change uh, from this team, specifically with Brogdon. And you already have guards. When we just talked about Jalen Brunson. That guy has to play a lot. And I understand you may want another ball handler like Brogdon beside him. But yeah. you do have some in DiVincenzo and Josh Hart and McBride and OG now. So, you know, guys, wings. I, I don't I don't really see that when you're already going to be paying OG to a new contract. So OG, Randall, and Brunson are going to be over 90. But a, a cheaper Clarkson makes a little more sense to me. A cheaper Clarkson who doesn't get hurt. And so Clarkson at 14 per, I'm a little bit more inclined, maybe. But they, they do have a bunch of guards, and I could see them taking a chance right. on Clarkson. It does sort of make sense there to add him depending on what they have to give up for him. Yeah, that, that's the the hang-up for me. Yes, I, I actually think someone like Clarkson on the Knicks is what they would love to have. Like, sort of bit of a the gunner mentality. Honestly, sort of what quickly was for them, right? Like, yeah. come in, score. I mean, that's what Clarkson does. The problem is, Brogdon, he's going to be moved at the deadline. Clarkson, I don't know what the Jazz are going to do with, with him. I mean, I guess if they were obviously offered a deal they couldn't say no to, they would. But you know they are playing well. They've turned their season around, so it's just much more difficult yeah. to figure out what sort of what would be going in exchange to get actually Clarkson. The fit, I uh, yeah, I could see Clarkson being a bit of a fan favorite immediately there in New York, coming off the bench and getting buckets. But I just think a it's going to be more difficult to get. I'm not sure if Utah's ready to move on from him. Yeah, and and as far as the Knicks go, you know, I mentioned the guys I mentioned there, and and, and obviously Brunson is their guy. And then to have, like you said, a guy come off the bench and help. Like, Quentin Grimes hasn't been that guy. Josh Hart was a, a different type of player than, than Jordan Clarkson. I get it. They did just sign Deuce McBride. They do feel like he is good enough. They have DiVincenzo. And so they got a lot of guards. I, I'm not sure about Jordan Clarkson coming in who's going to want to shoot all the time. Uh, so I get it. 14 mil. It's a good number for Clarkson. Yeah. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, but I'm not sure he quite fits. But he makes a little more sense than than Brunson, Brogdon, uh, Brogdon, <laughs> uh, because Evan Fournier comes off the books this off season. They're done there, yeah. so they they have money to go around. But I I don't see the Malcolm Brogdon thing working. Okay, uh, let's talk a little Raptors. Give me some Raptors news. Okay, also from Stein, the Raptors are seeking a first round pick and a young player for Bruce Brown. Brown, of course, just acquired by the Raptors in the Pacers deal with Siakam. Two teams known to have interest in Brown include the Lakers and Knicks. Uh, Brown has a $23 million team option for next season. So Stein says Raps seeking first-round pick <laughs> and young player for Bruce Brown. How many buckets of slop is Tass Mellis checking gotta, on this? I got to go hot. I, I do feel like there's a good chance that the Raps give up on Bruce Brown. So four out of five for me wow. here. I, I'm going to miss Bruce, but um, he is perfect for a really good team. He's a complimentary player. He's not necessarily an all-star, right. but he will do anything and everything for a team to take the next step. See the Denver Nuggets. It wasn't that long ago. They just played the Knicks, as we said, and he called himself a Tibbs player. Him, yeah, <laughs> said I'm a dog. Yeah, he, he, you know, he thought he may be drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves, where Tibbs was the coach way back when. And he said, or he said he considered signing with the Knicks yeah. before signing with the Pacers. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if he's just selling himself here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but it, it is an interesting thing because the Pacers kind of ballooned his contract that he signed this preseason because you have to have a number at the salary floor now. You have to 
pay a certain amount or else you're just going to pay it anyways. So they kind of ballooned his contract in that he's making 23 per year. Oh, 23 next year. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot uh, for for a complimentary player. He's a very good player, obviously. And he just spent $10,000 of that paying to Jonte Porter, who is on the Raptors because he was wearing Bruce Brown's number 11. He's got tons of money. So he said, here's 10K. <laughs> Jonte Porter thought it was going to be a lot more. Oh, no, no. Bruce Brown thought he was going to have to pay a lot more, whatever it was. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't think it makes sense for the Raps being that where they are. They have to try things out. They want to pay somebody a lot next season. And I get that. Saving $23 million on Bruce Brown makes sense. I don't know what you get for Bruce Brown. but I was going to say, are you getting a first-round pick and a young player? Nah, I don't think so. Right. Right. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask for. Maybe, is, is maybe it, one of those would be nice. I was going to say, that's what it sure feels like. It's like, we want both of these. And then teams come back, we'll give you one of those. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, we'll take the late first round pick. Or we will take this young prospect that maybe you've given up on. Yep. But you're not maybe going to get both. Feels like so. that. Yeah, he was just part of a trade for Siakam that was. He is the best player in the trade going back for Siakam. But all that to say. Draft picks were yeah. were abundant in that right. one. Maybe one. Be really weird if the Raptors and Knicks made another trade, though. It would be weird. <laughs> Just be like Masai helping out New York here. Hey, sorry about that whole uh, you suing us thing. Here's continuing to give you good players. And they have a Josh Hart. It's like that's Bruce Brown right. in, in, a, in a weird way. Yeah, you know yeah. they they have options and paying Bruce Brown that much money is that's a good chunk of change, um, depending on the team. And they gotta pay CAAs. Uh, OG Ananobi this offseason, you know, the money's going to come off. But well. it is, like, because of the the structure of his contract, it's like, maybe, forget the Knicks, like, any of these other teams, and I'm with you, it should be a good team. Like, he needs yeah. to go to a good team to be the the fifth, sixth, seventh best player on that team, right? But you almost could take a stab at it. You're like, wow, maybe Bruce Brown, we think, is the difference maker in helping our defense and winning a playoff series more, whatever, to go far. And if it blows up and it doesn't work, it's like you don't have to pick up the option. You wouldn't want to give up a lot. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, but uh, if you really think he's a bit of a difference maker to your chances to win a title, let's say, mm-hmm. then you could see yourself being aggressive and going. And, and if it blows up in your face, it's like, okay, well, we move off it. We, it's a team option. It's twenty three million, or not. Obviously, you just yeah. pick it up and you continue to play him. So that's true. I think he is going to be moved. I'm with you. I, I think. I mean, Masai Ujiri basically said that. And it was like it feels like you're not trading for Barnes, of course. You're not trading for Quickly or Barrett. Maybe Pirtle's off the table, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else can be had, I think, on the Toronto Raptors, uh, given the right deal. And we'll move to our final one here in the slop scale, because it's also Toronto-based. It's from our guy Blake Murphy, doing some reporting mm-hmm. up there in Canada. Love to see it. Uh, he said, he shared on the Raptors show with Will Lou, quote, the Raptors are very likely to trade Chris Boucher before the deadline. So the slim Canadian center, he's been in and out of Darko's rotation. He's not playing a lot. He averages just 6-4 and four in 14 minutes per game. He used to play like 20 minutes a game, like over yeah. the last couple of years with Nurse. But anyway, uh, how many buckets a slot for Boucher on the move at the deadline? I'm hot on this one. I think it's five. I think they do move on. He's been there forever. It's, it's kind of surprising that he was an NBA champion with this team. He was the last guy standing now uh, from that NBA championship, although he didn't play he didn't a play lot. didn't play the finals, right? Yeah, yeah. no, that was, that was Pascal. He was the last yeah. guy to go. Yeah. But it is surprising. We know. Just, just like the front office said, okay, 
uh, we've had enough with OG. We've had enough with Pascal. Like the, this isn't going well enough. We've got to make a move. It's the same thing with Chris Boucher, who who Nick Nurse tried to play twenty minutes per game. Sure, yeah, and it unfortunately hasn't. He's good and bad. Um, yeah. But it's time to part ways. It's it's just surprising that he's been with the Raptors for six seasons and he only played one game with the Golden State Warriors before that. And that's his entire NBA career. Uh, but it would make sense for the Raptors, no matter what they get back, because they get more space in free agency because he is signed through next season mm-hmm. for uh, a 10 million. But he is front loaded that the contract that they signed and, and going down to 10 million, I guess, makes sense for some teams to say, hey, we got to back up big. Why not? Yeah, I, I actually I like Boucher. I think you're right. That he has bad games and then he has really good games where he's seven for seven and hitting threes and he's flying all over the place and yeah. he's a difference maker. Um, but definitely has fallen out of Darko's rotation. Like I said, there's not a lot of trust there. This is definitely five buckets of slop. This was the worst kept secret in the NBA. And if you remember, I was here on No Dunk saying Chris Boucher can be had. Not that I'm reporting anything any at at any time, but you know it's like. The guy's out of the rotation. He can this a team can go and get him, and I don't think it's going to take a lot. Like it's going to take like you were saying their tasks. They want to get out from under Boucher's salary next season, which is like yeah, ten to eleven million. Let's call it that. So, what's coming back? Some expiring money, I assume, and maybe a second round pick. Like it's not being, it's not going to be, it's not going to be sexy. Whatever comes back for Boucher, but mm-hmm. a team would be very smart, I believe, to to go and get him. I know he's been linked to the Celtics at times. Maybe it's always tough to trade with a you know a division rival if you're the Raps and stuff like that. You're helping them out, their chances to go win a title. But I feel like he would be a good addition to a lot of squads just as a guy coming off the bench because he has his moments where he's like, again, a difference maker. So he's going to be traded because it's, it's not going to take a lot. Not a lot at all. I think the Raptors would think about releasing him in all honesty. I know that sounds a little crazy. If they can't get anything for him, we saw what the Pacers did with Daniel Tice this season. They released him. And then became a Los Angeles Clipper, and he was key for them. He has been key for them because he's a good player, but he's a lot cheaper than ten million when you release him and you sign him. And they just uh, the Raptors just don't want to pay him next season. I think that's what it comes down to with Chris Boucher. So I would also yeah. I would usually have thrown in the Thunder here because lots of talk about the Thunder needing more help at the center position, but they don't like guys that can't shoot. And Boucher cannot hit the three. Is that like he consistently? He, consistently, yeah. that's right. I said it there. These games where he can't miss, but it's few and far between. So I just don't think they would go aggressively for a guy like him. Not. That, I mean, they got a million picks. They could throw a couple second round picks or one second round pick. They could get it done. But mm-hmm. I don't think they sort of. It's not the type of mold they want usually from their guys. Right. But some team out there will get a Boucher, and he'll be good. <laughs> he'll surprise people because you know. Unless you're watching Raptors games, you probably have no idea who we're even talking about. <laughs> Slim Duck himself. All right. Slim Duck. Slop scale. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. You know we're going to see more from the slop scale here over the coming Absolutely. weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's wrap this up with some Tweet of the Night fun. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, two tweets, they're related. And I really just wanted to get your take on them, Tess, and everybody joining us live and listening later. Uh, first tweet was from uh, at uh, Damon, I believe, Rangula. Joel Embiid's season, 35 points, 11.4 boards, 5.9 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.9 blocks on 54, 36, 89 shooting splits in 34 minutes a game. The season he's having is being underappreciated. Okay. Then I saw a tweet from our guy Jared Wade retweeting it with this. If you win an MVP, then get punked in the playoffs, nobody is going to care what you do in the following regular season. May not seem fair, but it's just how it is. Happened to Dirk, Giannis, Harden, and even sort of Jokic. It's very tough to beat the allegations. So there's two parts, two questions. Is Embiid being underappreciated the season he's having? And then your thoughts on Jared and whether you believe that's sort of just a an unwritten rule in the NBA. You win an MVP and you flame out in the playoffs, no one's really going to care all that much the next regular season until you actually do it in a postseason run. What do you think? Uh, that absolutely should be a part of everybody's uh, reputation. Yeah, you're an MVP. What have you done in the playoffs? Right. It's really what it comes down to. And that's fine. The last two years, Embiid has dropped 10 points per game, essentially, in the postseason. From his regular season, where he led the league in points, into yeah. uh, what he did in the postseason. Because uh, he just hasn't been extremely healthy. He's been really, really healthy in the postseason. But it, it catches up just every year for him. That's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. He was going through last year because he wanted to win his first MVP, constantly saying, I want to be healthy for all 82 games. I want to be healthy for all 82 games to show that he can be that. So he played a lot. And then in the postseason, when it came down to fourth quarters at times, he was still playing in most games. But things weren't just things weren't the same. Things no. just weren't incredible. He didn't for play Joel at Embiid. an MVP level for a lot of moments and games. Yeah. in the postseason. Yeah, and, and it, hasn't. And it's happened. Hard. It's happened a lot in, in his career. He's gone to six playoffs. He's missed games in five of them, and that just sucks for him. And and so this year, it's a good thing. Because it's a good thing that he just won that MVP because now he can just chill out and say, all right, I can take some games off to be as fresh as possible. But he, the, the James Harden comparison is, is decent. Yeah. He just played yeah. with James Harden. Yeah. And and that happens to Harden a lot. And unfortunately, Embiid is he's a different kind of player. He can take over in postseasons. But for, for him last year to go from you know 30 – five point sorry it was 33 points last year to 23 points and you see the percentages drop down and the year before that he dropped it's just it just doesn't make sense you can still be absolutely odd by what he's doing in the regular season i mean these are incredible numbers i just listed there from that tweet and doing it in sort of limited minutes and just like just looks like money from around the free throw line with the jumper obviously he's he's tough to officiate i know some people hate how he plays the game and he's always falling over for a guy his size all that but whatever incredible incredible stats you know doing things that you know only kareem had done right with the 30 and 10 streak or whatever the heck it was but at the same time jared's absolutely right it's like we've we've 
gone through this before with other guys who've had monster MVP seasons and then, you know, get clipped in a first round series or falter, you know, like Harden comes to comes to mind, like just having like has moments, but has really bad games, just doesn't carry his team, unfortunately, like really deep. And so then when you do it again in the regular season, everyone's like, okay, cool. All right. You went for 50 and 60 and back to back game. Okay, great. Let's see it come, you know, April, May and June. Because it's like it, at at a certain point, it's like we don't really care. Yeah, that's just the truth. I believe this. <laughs> Tough to beat the allegations, as Jared said. You got to do it. You have to have your Dirk-like run that he did when he finally got over the hump, or Giannis obviously carrying his team there. I mean, Harden hasn't done it yet, uh, and Embiid needs to do it. Embiid, just like Dirk and Giannis, needs that at least go into a finals type thing, if not winning the whole thing, where he's the best player for those playoff months because yeah. he hasn't been. He hasn't even been close to it at least when you compare him to what he does in the regular season. Yeah, I think he just needs to at least go to the finals. That's what it comes down to, I think. Because you brought up the the, the Dirk one where he won MVP after going to the finals against the Miami Heat yeah. that first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's because they got bounced by the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Yeah. But obviously the small ball Warriors were awesome uh, with Baron Davis and friends. That's what happened. You lost the first round. You just have to be really, 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 really good. You have to be valuable and so you have to just get deep and he hasn't reached the conference finals yet which is absurd but it's but it's it is his body and we'll see what Tyrese Maxey can do as a number one guard for the first time in his career in a postseason you got to believe in that but they have to win two rounds and we'll see if they make a move too um when it comes up to to the deadline all right, well, that's the tweet of the night. Good stuff there from the guy. It's a little fun conversation starter. Uh, I want to remind you that there's a new Is This Good podcast dropped this morning, and it featured one Trey Kirby before he took off to Chicago. Uh, Matty O and JD talking with TK about, uh, well, a lot of things. Guys were spinning a wheel and talking about the latest fashion trends and gift baskets and brunch and carpets and thinking about all your friends sleeping naked, <laughs> including myself. You sleep nude, Including yourself. What do you mean? Well, I mean, uh, it comes up on the podcast, but uh, I had seen the wheel that they were going to be spinning as I was leaving the Classic Factory, and one of the options was sleeping naked. Is this good? I told Trey, absolutely, it's good. I've slept (laughs) naked for 20 years running. You couldn't wait to let us know you sleep naked. God, I'm I'm amazed people sleeping close. (laughs) Amazed by it. Um, but uh, anyway, it came up on the podcast. The problem now, Trey says, is now every time he does sleep nude, he has to think about me sleeping nude. Yeah. Nah. And he also said his dad sleeps nude to bring it full circle oh, here. Yeah. Steve Kirby also sleeps nude. Does he sleep nude now that he's retired, though? He's added the hat. Maybe he's added some jammies. <laughs> he sleeps in a hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Not sure. A little penis hat. Anyway, are you pro? Are you pro? Uh, Sleeping nude, or are you a boxer man? Or are you flannels? Are you no, my, yeah, my body part likes clothing. Yeah, I will say, during during sleep, my body parts like clothing. Interesting, but you don't do you don't wear like a lot of people. I get the counter. People say, I wear clothes at night because you know, an intruder, or I guess maybe <laughs> right. if you have kids coming in your room, yeah. like it's easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there is that part. Like if someone comes in my room yeah. with a baseball bat, give me all your money. I right, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Can you turn the light on so I can find my pants real quick and then we can discuss this? So there's that issue. So I thought maybe that was your No, question. I want to listen to that part. Okay. That's great. Yeah. So I listened to uh, the pod on the way in. And go check out The Great Beyond, the podcast before on Is This Good, 
JD, I listened to it on the treadmill the other day. I was in tears. I literally had to stop. I had to jump <laughs> off the treadmill. I was buckled over. Oh, great. Because at one point, JD yells, <laughs> We ride at dawn, but first, circle jerk. <laughs> and I'll leave it like that, and you can go get the context from the actual podcast. I was in tears. Absolute tears. <laughs> The Romans, big circle jerk guys. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> According to JD's wife, yeah. or at least her dreams. Yeah. Uh, all right, so go check out Is This Good <laughs> with TK and The Great Beyond before that. We're back tomorrow, Tass and I, here in the Classic Factory, 10 a.m. Eastern. Hit that like button, make sure you subscribe, and uh, we will see you tomorrow morning. Until then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, and remember, after hearing that uh, Romans scoop, uh, <laughs> I will say this: got no evidence, got no proof, but the Greeks were not big circle jerk guys. <laughs> yeah. I got no proof. I just, just wanna just wanna, wanna rebuttal. Get, a, get ahead of that. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the day, people. <laughs>